Okay, good evening. Welcome to this evening's uh, pre-recorded uh, Building the Scottish State. And I have the pleasure of having Chris McCusker with me again for today, who is, I believe, your convener of the Socialist for SNP. Is that correct? Vice convener of the Socialist Group, uh, membership secretary of the Trade Union Group, treasurer of the Friends of Palestine, uh, and all-round socialista. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's begin by talking about NEC, the National Executive Committee, and that you are you are becoming a candidate for that. And tell me, I, I know there was kind of a, quite a kerfuffle because the uh, they had uh, imposed those rules that basically uh, made it so that Joanna Cherry couldn't run. Uh, how, how did you read that situation? It's something that's not nice. Uh, Joanna's a personal friend of mine. Uh, I've uh, campaigned with Joanna. She's been very supportive throughout my political uh, involvement within the SNP. I honestly do wish that uh, all this nasty sniping and carping would just go away uh, because it's not nice. It's uh, one of the main reasons as to why I left the Labour Party, to be very honest with you, uh, and the the SSP. You have to be a realist to uh, understand the fact that this does happen within uh, political parties. It happens within community groups. It happens... You know, in life in general, uh, despite being a Republican socialist and a bit of a firebrand, I do like life to be as easy as easy as the next man. So I don't like infighting whatsoever. Uh, I hate it when it goes out on uh, mainstream media because the right-wing media jump all over it. It makes us look bad. Uh, it gives them ammunition. And uh, I really just wish that You know, I mean, people are always going to have a difference of opinion, but at the end of the day, we've got one plain goal, and that is independence. Uh, Independence will come in various shapes and forms. Uh, My view of independence might not be the same as yours, Mark, but uh, at the end of the day, it is the one goal, and, and, and that one goal is independence. The time for recrimination is after we get independence, not before. The, I didn't watch the interview, but uh, at the All Under One Banner virtual rally the other day, they, had, they interviewed Ian Blackford, and, and Re- Leslie Riddick was pretty, pretty, gave him a pretty hard time because she was repeating the, the sentiments that she was seeing in the, in the online questions, which is of, of really deep concern uh, about what, how this is going to happen. Because as, at least as I perceive it, the, it seems as if uh, Sturgeon is kind of hogtied to a certain degree of, of being able to announce a referendum. And of course, there's the Alex Salmon issue and uh, all of the things that are going on. And so there's a million and one machinations that, that uh, people have got to take into consideration. There is the ongoing issue of the Alex Salmon uh, situation. And uh, again, I make no bones about it. Alex is a personal friend of mine. He was instrumental in setting up the socialist uh, uh, group, uh, steered us away from not becoming a uh, replication of the 79 Club. And uh, again, uh, like Joanna, he's been very supportive uh, uh, throughout my political career in the SNP. Uh, so what has happened has happened. I wish to God that it, that it didn't happen, but these are the these are the cards that we're dealt with and we've got to play them. The other things as well, uh, a lot of people are saying that, you, you know, that you shouldn't have a husband and wife at the top of the uh, uh, top of a political party, all the rest of it. People have got feelings about that. It is what it is. I I will go back uh, and and I hope that the viewers don't get fed up with this. But I'll go back to the mantra of the fact that we have we have all got one common goal, and that common goal is independence. I would like actually to quote, maybe slightly controversial, but I'll quote Che Guevara. No country ever won its independence through disunity and disharmony. That is plain, as anyone can see. It has to be a collective buy-in. You know, once we get independence, then there's time for recrimination after that. Mm-hmm. The main thing that we have to do is get away from the British state because it is killing us. Of course. It is, it is, it is throttling our country. And with the onslaught of the 31st of December, Come the 1st of January, these people who are sniping from the sidelines are going to be saying, we've uh, now got to deal with this and, you know, we've now got to deal with that. And the only way to deal with it is to be independent. Mm. And the only credible party in Scotland to deliver that independence is the SNP. I'm wise enough to know that the SNP are not the indie movement. The wider the indie movement, the indie family, 
are they are what I say they are. They they are the indie movement. They are the lifeblood. I'll augment what uh, Leslie said as the fact that the uh, the uh, grassroots is the indie movement. <laughs> uh, the SNP are are the conveyance. They are that that uh, conveyance towards independence. And once we get independence, then you can have an emergence of. Uh, breakaway parties, your ISPs or your alliance or your your SSP and stuff like that. Oh, I, I, I don't think there's any question that there will be a realignment once independence is achieved, but there's deep, deep concern about how it's achieved, you know, given the constraints that, I don't know, I don't know whether it's self-imposed constraints, but uh, Nicola Sturgeon ruling out anything other than a Section 30 order with Boris Johnson there, who knows if he's going to be replaced, I don't know, Jacob rees who knows? It's just that there's real concern, and I'm just wondering if there is what the plan is, because I, there's no question that they have to have you know, game this, uh, and I, I was looking through the, um, the the website for the. Uh, but anyway, the, in the, in this timeline for a currency put forth by the SNP, they have a date set of September something of 2021, and I yeah. mean, this is pretty concrete. It's an SNP document, so I'm just wondering if they're just waiting for the right moment when it's clear that no deal Brexit's going to go through, that they would be able to say, okay, well, if you know, if if, if the SNP wins a big majority. We'll have a we'll have a referendum on this date in September. So I'm well. I had I, I had a chat with one of my uh, uh, activist friends, long-standing activist friends, who's no longer in the party. I'm desperately trying to convince him to come back into the party, which I think he will, uh, because we have a mutual friend who has successfully been elected as candidate for Eastwood for MSP. I love campaigning alongside this guy. Has uh, who's, he running, who's he running against? Uh, is it? And who who has the seat now? Uh, Jackson Carlo has the seat. Uh, <laughs> is it? We've actually got a proven track record because back in two thousand and fourteen, we uh, successfully put in Kurt Noswald against Jim Murphy and won. <laughs> so uh, coming up against Jackson Carlo is you know it's going to be no mean feat. We can't be complacent, but you know we need good activists uh, uh, such as such as my friend Peter that I was talking to today. Uh, but going back to what you were talking about, uh, Peter brought up this uh, question, uh, you know, about finances and the uh, uh, bank and stuff like that. But uh, I was actually uh, present. The uh, trade union group uh, had a, uh, an online hustings for the SNP president uh, mm-hmm. post, which uh, Corey Wilson and Mike Russell and Craig Murray, uh, all three are running in the race. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised on all three of them. I know Corey, both of us helped co-collaborate on our sister channel, shall we say, of uh, Broadcasting Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I know Mike, obviously, as well. Uh, Craig Murray I've shared the stage with once uh, at Hope Over Fear Rally, and uh, we didn't really get an awful lot of chance to chat and stuff like that. But... Uh, I was pleasantly surprised with all three of them. Craig's a really good guy. I've, I've you know, I've had a few beers with him. We were both in London Calling uh, together, so I. Some of the things that Craig was was coming out with, uh, uh, such as the the actual question of uh, a husband and wife partnership at, at, at the head of the party and things like that, really makes you sort of like, you know, sit back and ask yourself some questions and stuff like that. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised that Mike actually reiterated the date of September for a, a referendum. I was pleasantly surprised at that because I don't think I'm uh, breaking any news here, Mark, but Mike Russell indicated uh, uh, he was working towards September for the referendum. You know, this is on the back of as well. I watched an interview with Drew Henry MP, and he said the exact same thing. I, I think it was Sophie Ridge or uh, Kay Burley or one of the two on Sky. It's as public out there as public can be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I have no inside information, uh, despite the fact that I'm Nicola's number one comrade uh, <laughs> on uh, uh, Twitter, that is. Uh, but. Uh, I, I have got a funny feeling that she will use uh, her uh, Andrew's Day speech. Uh, I think she'll use that to great effect. I think that will give heart to an awful lot of the activists. So she will use that, I think, to spur the, the activists on. 
I have to put a plea out uh, to people. I know that my patience is running thin. My patience is running thin as well. Put out today as uh, my uh, 54th birthday today. And I said that uh, for my 55th, uh, I want to be celebrating it in an independent uh, socialist republic of Scotland. Uh, And uh, an awful lot of people have echoed that sentiment. And I dearly hope that the the SNP get their finger out and uh, deliver it because we can't go down the road that uh, Britain is going down. We we know it's a road to oblivion. uh, And, uh, you you know, I think people need to take an awful lot of pointers and stuff like that from various sources. I watched FMQs today and Nicola was questioned by one of the Tory MSPs uh, as to uh, when Scotland will commit to having a free port. And she basically said, we're not even thinking about it at the moment. That tells you a lot. This is one of the Tory wish lists Mm -hmm. that uh, the uh, ports around Britain uh, become tax free, basically creating a race to the bottom. She basically reiterated the fact that she is not going to go foot long into it with her eyes shut at the behest of the British government without doing the checks and balances to make sure that anything that is going to require investment into the ports it has to be done on a, a, a green credential. It has to be done with checks and balances with the guards mm-hmm. uh, paying the uh, living wage, also uh, workers' rights. She's not going to do it on the cheap the way that uh, the uh, British establishment wants. And if it's not a viable option for Scotland, she will not have a free port in Scotland. And basically, it's a pie-in-the-sky offer because January the 1st doesn't give you an awful lot of time to put the infrastructure into some of the ports that are actually so decrepit in Scotland because they have gone to rack and ruin. Look at the crossing at the moment between Cairn Ryan and uh, Belfast. And there is not nearly the amount of infrastructure to have the necessary paper checks, vehicle checks, laybys, parking arrangements, toilet facilities, you name it, and all the rest of it for you, you know any more than a hundred vehicles at a time. Uh, if you've ever been down in Cairn Ryan, it's a very very small port. It is only used for domestic. As I would probably say that Cairn Ryan is about a tenth of the size of uh, Dover or even Calais, minuscule on, on the, that scale. The bigger port in Scotland at the moment is uh, Rosyth, Leith, obviously Aberdeen as well. They're all larger ports and we should be putting investment into those ports in order to establish links with Europe because years ago there used to be an established crossing between Rosyth and Zeebrugge. It's a no-brainer. Scots can go over to Zeebrugge and travel down the coast in order to get to Paris. There's no need for uh, Scots to drive down to Dover in order to cross over to Cali. Yeah. No disrespect to Cali. <laughs> you know, I've got a deep affiliation with Cali. And what are your ideas on, on making Scotland become a, a, a socialist republic? Because what, I, what I'm detecting, that I, one of the pr- problems with, with uh, Sturgeon and Murrow running the place is, is at least that I perceive that the, uh, George Caravan did an article a few months back that's saying that they've been kind of getting close to some plutocrats, you know, like the, the Duke of Blue Clash and the, and the you know, the agribusiness and, and fish, fish farming and, and fishing like that and, and basically getting close to this the money and interest. My, my fear is that once independence is achieved, that there'll be kind of a cabal which, that the way that the, the state is constructed will be like the United States that, re, that reflects the, the interests of the ruling class rather than people. And so I'm just wondering, what do you think we can do now to begin to build towards that? I mean, I've got my constitutional project. Actually, it's uh, good that you brought that up because I would urge you to get in touch with Mike Russell because Mike said he foresees that the constitution would actually need to be rewritten. He has what I've done. So I, he's yeah, yeah. On, on your most substantive point, my vision could be totally different from anyone else's. That's a beautiful thing about socialism. Socialism has got about a thousand and one derivatives. Everyone's take on socialism could be completely different. I mean, having grown up in the United States, and having, you know, socialism be this terrible, terrible thing. You know, if you're accused of being a socialist, you lose your job or even worse, communist. But they, they've never defined what it means. I mean, uh, Bernie Sanders ran and he's always a socialist. But for me, 
the United States has never been, I mean, just a government that's socialist is something that is a government that actually t- makes sure that their citizens are taken care of. I mean, it's really basic, you know, things like healthcare, and, and the United States hasn't ever really been like that. You had the New Deal of the 30s and the Great Society of, six, of, the, of the 60s that went towards more civil rights and more economic rights. But, mm-hmm. you know, like Thatcher here or in the UK and, and Reagan in the States, that was, you know, began to be rolled back and it now is just hanging by a thread, you know, things like social security and stuff. So I'm just wondering how in Scotland we can anchor those things more in a constitution. And um, Well, my perception of socialism in America, I think the last president, for my mind, and this is not because of my Irish roots, but obviously JFK was as close to a socialist president than you can ever get. Yeah, I mean, maybe rhetorically, it's it's really interesting because he never. I'm wondering because a lot of you know LBJ was the one that signed a lot of these things. You wonder what if if it had gone a different path if 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 Kennedy had been kept alive. Uh, he certainly he certainly was very effective when he visited the um, West Virginia and the Mississippi and, and later Robert Kennedy the Mississippi Delta and saw the extreme poverty which existed and was motivated to. And sort of like modern day, I uh, see now that I mean obviously Trump's so far on the right, it couldn't get any further if he tried. But with Biden, they're actually calling him a bit of a socialist. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I know it's ridiculous, but I think they're doing it more as a smear campaign than anything. Well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because it's to accuse an American candidate or American president of being a socialist, you're disengaging an awful lot of the Hispanic vote, the yep. Latino vote, yep. all the rest of it, because the, as you alluded to, the very minute that you mention socialism, they automatically think of communism. Mm-hmm. And these are countries that have suffered under communist regime for you know a long time. They would cut their right arm off rather than have anything to do with communism or socialism. But then you know on the other side of the coin, you have the the uh, white class American people who were told back in the 1930s and the 1940s, 1950s that if you had socialist tendencies, you must be a communist. You have seen it throughout the various clearances within Hollywood. So many actors didn't get uh, half of their films commissioned because they were outspoken with regards to what was happening in uh, Venezuela, what was happening in Vietnam. And anybody who spoke out against Vietnam was obviously a communist. You know, that was such as the the American (laughs) mantra. Socialism on that side of the pond is completely different to socialism on this side of the pond. Mm-hmm. Socialism up in Britain, obviously it's got echoes of uh, Michael Foote and Nye Bevan. And what did Nye Bevan ever do for us? Oh, he just delivered a, you know, an NHS which was free at the point of access for everyone. And that's mm-hmm. neither here nor there. He was a Labour man, so he was obviously very bad in the eyes of the far right. Hmm. because the uh, Tories would sell their granny in order to start charging for the NHS the exact hmm. same way as the, the Americans do. I mean, Christ, Donald Trump was wanting to charge something like $15 for an elastoplast just because you cut your knee. Yeah. I mean, that's fucking well, ridiculous. Well, the, the thing is, the, the entire American economy is based on profiteering, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, I mean, it's always been steeped in corporate capitalism. America is full tilt on consumerism. It's mm-hmm. always been at least five years ahead of Britain, consumerism wise. Yeah. Uh, everything is all sell, sell, sell. You, you know, what was that? Tom Cruise, you know, the old show yeah, me the money yeah. routine. And that's people's perception of America has always been that. Anytime that they are showing deprivation, then it's always in, you know, hard up places like Hell's Kitchen and things like that. But not know, anymore. Not, not anymore. In the streets and stuff like that. But as you say, endemic throughout, throughout the Midwest, if you look at all the, the old uh, tin towns, uh, stuff like that, that had steelworks in them and uh, major factory, industrial factories of high production and stuff like that. And that's now gone. Trump had said, oh, I'm going to rebuild the factories. I'm going to open up the salt mines and whatnot, what have you, and all the rest of it. And again, it was all just rhetoric. He had no feckin'. Well, and there's no way, there's just no way that the American system would allow him to do that. I mean, well, it, no, it, no, 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 of course. It's it was, completely it constructed. It's all platitudes and playing to the crowd. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But that's what Trump is. But going back to socialism in Scotland, 
to my mind, Scotland, like Liverpool, has always been socialist. You look back to the 1920s of the Red Clydesiders standing up for their principles, standing up for their rights. And we're not going to go down the road of, I but Churchill put tanks on the streets. Churchill never puts tanks on the streets. Tanks were put in uh, Maryhill Garrison for a, a fair attraction. And one tank was paraded around the streets of Glasgow and stuff like that to attract people to go to the carnival and stuff like that and go to the fair. Yes, uh, Churchill did uh, give the signal to deploy troops because the uh, Glasgow police didn't want to be fighting their own neighbours. So from that point of view, yes, Churchill did order the uh, uh, troops in in order to bring a bit of calm and a bit of harmony to the streets of Glasgow at the time of the, the uh, Clydesiders. That was like 1917, right? That was, that was, that was 1917, It was yeah, right at yeah. the same time as the, as the Russian Revolution, the, the, the Italian oh, yeah. Revolution. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd, of course, it was right near the end of World War One when there was obviously you know, mass discontent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mass unemployment as well. Yeah. So they were fighting to uh, keep the jobs that they managed to keep all throughout that. And the, the uh, people of the Clyde side knew how much value the uh, Clyde was to the war effort. You know, they stood up for their principles and stuff like that. And, uh, you, you know, they eventually they won, but didn't really sort of like garner any track. But through the history of Scottish trade unions, they've always stood up for workers' rights. And there's some revelations that I'll like to come on to later regarding the STUC, which is absolutely uh, welcome news. Scotland's always always been on the left of centre. Yeah, no, uh, I, you, you I, 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 I've certainly perceived that from the beginning, and and so there just people seem to care about each other more. I mean, they always ask how you tell your mom I was asking for, you know. I mean, just these these things that you know that people just there's a basic caring of other people that yeah, 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 that doesn't I, I, necessarily I, I, exist. Uh, you know, or exist in different degrees. But I mean, America and, and the UK have been so, I mean, it, you know, it has been deliberately kind of uh, indoctrinated. I mean, after the First World War, the, the beginnings of the American public relations industry was beginning to move into high gear because they realized that the First World War, why would people want to get go and go off to Germany to, uh, you know, to get killed or kill German? In Britain at that time, fascism was a uh an unknown quantity until we actually seen Mosley in his black shirts. People saw it as very, very threatening, very ugly, obviously, which is in stark contrast of the ethos of the Scottish people, as you say, welcoming and sharing and all the rest of it. So that my own perception of socialism is that if you have got an ounce of fairness and equality in you, a wee bit of social justice about your body, then, you know, deep down in your bones, you've got a bit of socialism in you, whether you like it or not. And sometimes it comes out when you're passing a homeless person on the streets of Glasgow and stuff like that, and you put a pound in the in the uh, uh, guy's cup or the women's cup. Sometimes it's through online giving or, you know, just basically pouring your heart out. I uh, share content from my friends in Care for Cali where we're constantly asking for warm winter jackets and sleeping bags and stuff like that. Yeah. And the amount of people, I've had three people at my door this week mm-hmm. that have just dropped off stuff and said to me, you, you know, I know you can't get it. They've actually said, can you take this to France for me? And mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, sorry, I'm not even allowed outside East Renfrew, summer, darling, do you know what I mean? But My former wife's father, who was very syndicalist and uh, lived in Bordeaux, he remember they remember sending a food and supplies to the uh, to the mi- to the miners strike during the 1980s under under that yeah. so yeah, yeah 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 i think it's always been that way that if you you, you know socially minded there was always a great one that, uh, you, you know like years ago kids were called latch kids because no one locked the doors the front doors were on the latch and you just chapped it and walked in inherently you got a cup of cup of tea and a custard cream and uh, you sort of like passed the time of day and then that was you, you were on your way. And that kind of sort of like social inclusion has been inherent within Glasgow. I, I don't know much about the East Coast, but certainly in Glasgow, it was always the case, certainly when I was growing up. It was only bad people that done bad things. And it was, you know, certainly not in your own street because uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a wonderful phrase, but... Uh, they don't shit on their own doorstep, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and uh, so, 
from that point of view, I think the ethos of having fairness and equality is entirely up to yourself if you subscribe to the thought of the uh, uh, redistribution of wealth, then, you, you, you know, you're pretty much ticking off all the key boxes for socialism. What, what could be put into a constitution that would ensure that this type of, because I think it is a natural uh, fit for the, the, the Scottish people. I mean, they've lived under, you know, they've always been, a more, it started coming in 1977. I've noticed that. I remember, you know, staying in my auntie's place and they were always just pressing money into my hand to go buy some sweets at the corner shop. And they were so excited to have us there. Oh, we were a better guy. You know, <laughs> and I'm just wondering, like, you know, how can you kind of wire that kindness and empathy into the, the political system so that, because there's, there's the question, because for example, in my draft, I, I guarantee workers' rights. Uh, I, I guarantee the right to collectively bargain and form unions, and, and, there, and it should be illegal to try to prevent that right from occurring. More like it is in France. I mean, it, there's, uh, I mean, in, in America, you just have these, you know, it's just psychotic, the, the, the degrees to which they go to to prevent, you know, forming unions. I remember when I worked at Burger King when I was 15, my first job, they they were sort of letting me, you know, see what it would be like to be a manager kind of thing. And I was reading through the the, the manager's manual and it had a section prevention of union formation. And I think it was basically like if anybody even starts to talk about forming a union, call management and we'll come in and bust it up. (laughs) Walmart has a SWAT team, basically. They send out to any you know, store that even, where there's even rumors of, of people trying to form unions. I mean, it's just- well, I find that really funny because I was, I was a grocery manager with Safeway when, when the Americans owned it, before it was sold to the Argyle Group uh, mm-hmm. in Scotland. And they were a wonderful company to work for. They uh, recognised unions. I was in USDA at the time. Uh, that was the first union I was ever in, actually. You got double time for working on a Saturday night. You got a fifth of your hourly rate for your night rate. You got uh, an unsocial rate between 8 o'clock and 12 o'clock before you went on to your night rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got time and a half and you only worked a four-night week. So you had sort of like the Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. So obviously, if you'd done your four nights plus your, plus your Saturday... You know, that was you, you were in a, you know, major box. I mean, there are good American companies and, you know, and then they do, you know, if they, if they live, if they operate in a country, they obviously have to respect the laws. And so yeah. I, I don't know in the States whether how accommodating they were of unions in the States, but I don't think, you know, many companies are anymore. There's so much effort to join unions, but you can be fired so easily. You know, I mean, you can be fired for nothing. Uh, and uh, and so the labor laws, to the extent that they existed, have just com- completely you know crumbled. Really, there is uh, you, you know to a certain large degree, uh, you, you know there is uh, obviously a trade union movement within Americans. I think uh, it would be right to say that uh, you, you know they're not enjoying the best of what we would say. So it's so hard to form a union I mean, because you have to go through so much. Uh, basically, you have to get two votes. You have to petition the National Labor Relations Board for them to, to, to recognize the union. First of all, you have to organize to have a, a, ba- a ballot. I think you have to fight the vote twice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, given my experience at Burger King, I mean, especially the service sector, just, you know, you can't, it's so, it's so hard to form unions in that. And there's the efforts to do so. But the thing is, if, they, if, you, if they, you know, whisper that you're trying to form a union, you know, you're just fired. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, in the seventies and eighties, you know, you had the kind of erosion of the industrial uh, unions, uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, but the the, the private sector, the public sector unions were st- still stronger than you know. I think a good thirty percent of the of the government workers belong to <clears throat> belong to a different union, but more recently, it's been absolutely psychotic the degrees to which they go. There was a few year, a good example was a few years ago when they uh, that were in a Volks in a Volkswagen factory in Tennessee and they wanted to form a union and Volkswagen was totally cool with it man they were, yeah sure we got board, we got we got unions on boards yeah no problem you know and yeah, so they're yeah. proud to have the election you know and Volkswagen had no problem whatsoever but the, but the Republicans still came at it like just a, just a, a battle you know and they actually formed up not forming a union because that would set a precedent for other ones as well oh, even, yeah. even though you know, even Volkswagen was like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> we got unions yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. 
Well, you know, that that actually leads me on nicely to, uh, you know, the uh, trade union group uh, within the SNP. We, we do a lot of work in collaboration with the STUC in Scotland. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've got a fairly good working relationship. Now it's uh, uh, Roz Foyer, but uh, Dave Moxon's still there. And in fact, Dave's given a keynote speech on Saturday at AGM and uh, a pre-conference meeting as well. So, uh, you, you know, we've got a fairly uh, decent relationship with them, which smacks in the face of Richard Leonard, who constantly says when he's in Hollywood that uh, the, the SNP don't engage with the unions. Uh, an outrageous lie, you know, because I know for a fact that Nicola has had many a meeting with Larry Flanagan of the EIS. She, she meets with uh, uh, Unison on a regular basis. And, uh, you, you know, so it's disingenuous to say that Nicola hates unions because it's not the bloody case. You, you know, point of fact, uh, and I can speak obviously from, from experience as the membership secretary, the trade union group at the moment has got about 12,500 members. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in 2014, we had 14,500, and that was nearly eclipsing the labour support in the whole of Scotland. Mm-hmm. So... Let's knock this one on the head. The, the, the SNP are not anti-union. Uh, uh, they're, they're definitely not anti-socialist either because Nicola is well aware of my roles within the party. Mm. Uh, she's well aware of the socialist group. Uh, she doesn't have an issue with it. From that point of view, I think that people on the left need to sort of like, not uh, sort of like take a long, hard look, but they should have a second thought about the, the SNP. Uh, because the, the whole reason that the SNP socialist group is there is to keep the party as much to the left as possible, realising the fact that the party are centre-left. Our main job is to make sure that the party and the party hierarchy do not capitulate to the centre-right. That's just our job. And if we're there, they're present. Uh, and we've done, you, you know, myself and you know, uh, my uh, comrade Graham Campbell very well. Myself and Graham, uh, formerly uh, another comrade, uh, uh, John Sweeney, we've attended marches along, you know, and we've, we've stood shoulder to shoulder with Richie Venton and stuff like that from the SSB. We've stood shoulder to shoulder with Tommy Sheridan from Solidarity. And, uh, and we find common common ground with, you know, all of them. They are all, they are, they are still comrades. They are still brothers. We... Uh, recently publicly uh, came out and supported uh, uh, Richie Venton uh, with his stance against IKEA, the uh, uh, shocking treatment that he got for standing up for uh, uh, workers' rights, and uh, we will we will continue to do so. So the, the uh, left in Scotland is not as fractured as what the left is down in England. However, the left in Scotland has lost its way. And uh, we're all going towards the same goal, but we're going at it in different directions. And do you find any kind of serious neoliberal strain within the SNP? Craig Murray made some criticism of Mike Russell because in in a book that he had co-opted, uh, he said he was talking about the privatization of the NHS. And so and I'm I'm certainly not going to describe that to necessarily to Mike Russell's uh, view because uh, he said that it was, you know, kind of a dialogue and, you know, so I'm not saying that's necessarily its view, even though it was a, in a book that he co-published. But do you detect any kind of serious neoliberal, you know, privatization type strains within the SNP? I don't see it, and uh, and and if I did, I'd be the first one to call it. I'm sure I, I, I forgot about that. <laughs> I would not be shy in coming forward. Uh, we've had several conversations, Mark, and. Uh, one illustrious journey from Aberdeen down to Glasgow, I seem to remember. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I think you, you uh, pretty know my views on that. One of the best interviews that we've done actually was with uh, myself and you and Graham. Well, I really uh, enjoyed that. And, and there, there were two other folks, right? John was there as well. John. That, uh, that was, that was just fantastic. That was one of the, my, that was the best. Among the best times I've ever had at an interview, it was just so. Yeah, interesting. yeah, yeah. No, that, uh, that was that was good, and we we uh, and, and that was that was just about. I, I think that was only about two years that we had actually formed the group. I think it was actually more of a revelation to yourself than obviously to us. The uh, fact that you know that you had some uh, 
raving lefties within the, the SNP. I, I wouldn't call it a surprise. I, it, was a, it was a pleasant discovery. I'll put it that way. I, I was... <laughs> No, no, no. I'll take pleasant discovery. That's, uh, <laughs> good enough for me. Myself and Graham, and uh, actually uh, our co-convener is George Kerrivan. <laughs> uh, and uh, George has recently written a piece uh, in Contour. I read both. I, I think there were two. I read both of them. I was alluding to that earlier, where yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 where, where he's disturbed about the, you know, at least the associations between. Merle and Sturgeon and some, you know, basic yeah, bureaucratic yeah, forces. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. Know how. I don't think it's evidence enough to say that there's a touch of neoliberalism sprinkled in for, you know, uh, good or bad measure. Going back to the, the uh, view of socialism, you know, in an independent Scotland, I would like to see all utility companies being publicly owned. Yeah, you, yeah. you know, that's that's obviously a no-brainer. And I, think, I, I, I put that in the Constitution and, and any... Any natural monopolies, railways, uh, you know, the wiring, the plumbing, all the stuff that, you know, you can't, you know, uh, yeah. separate companies delivering, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You know, but th- that doesn't mean that the, the, the privatization is completely, you know, I mean, if, I don't know if if, if, a, if a company wants to have a, you know, run a, a meal service on a train, I don't see any, you know, problem with that. But, but. Mm-hmm. There has to be ways of if if it doesn't you know work out right that that, that the state that, that that state can take it over and make sure that the contracts are abided yeah, yeah. by similar yeah, to what's happened going on with the, with the East Coast the East this, Coast mine. Uh huh. But people at this moment in time don't actually understand that the likes of uh, trade union law is not devolved to Scotland, so we cannot do anything about it. Britain are at the they're in the driving seat of the gig economy. Yeah. Uh, you, you know they are championing the gig economy. And uh, the uh, the gig economy is uh, littered with zero air contracts, no uh, workers' rights whatsoever, no uh, uh, working time directive. There are no terms and conditions. You get no sick pay. You get no holiday pay. You have to buy your own uniform for you know. You know, in certain cases you have to buy your own petrol uh, before you get recompensed for it a month down the line. So it is really really precarious employment that uh, Scotland isn't in charge of. And, uh, you, you, you know, whilst we can watch uh, various sort of like pub owners and stuff like that, but the likes of, there's only a limit as to what we can do in order to, you, you know, keep in touch, you, you know, with uh, uh, his baseline practices through exploitative contracts and stuff like that. Uh, and these are where, you, you know, groups such as Better Than Zero come into the fore. They, they are absolutely wonderful. They do great work. People are not shy about whistleblowing to them uh, and highlighting people that are uh, dabbling in an exploitative contracts and stuff like that. Well, uh, that's the kind of thing where I would really like to begin to kind of get a nucleus of people together working on this, the different aspects of this constitutional project. Because, for example, I have those uh, in the in the draft that I have. There is a, a work, you know, the right to form a union, the right to. Um, and this is this is with the advice of uh, was it Neil Davidson. He passed away recently. Is it Ian Day? I think it was Ian Davidson. Ian well. Davidson. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 He he died recently, right? Yeah. I, I, I can't remember when, but yeah. yeah but yeah, I, heard, I saw a few months back yeah. that he had passed on, and you know, but uh-huh. he he was the one that recommended it in a constitution that you have the you know that you have the the, the solid anchor of you know, the right to, to form a union and the right to collectively bargain. And in the law, then you can st- stipulate how these things are enacted and what, you know, what, what the law is against that. And so, I mean, I have a big section on labor law. Uh, the, 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 the website's being upgraded right now to something a lot better. So, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, have a look at it at wiki.scottishconstitution.com. And, yeah, yeah. you know, because we can begin to think about how, Things like labor law can be enacted. I mean, who knows what it'll come to? But I think we're just leaving stuff, you know, in abeyance, you know, uh, until there's this logical uh, um, thought of, okay, we get independence, then we deal with it. But I think it'd be good to have, you know, to begin working now on this type of thing so that we can, you know, kind of keep the... It's going in the right direction and and, and towards, you know, you know... Who, who wants the monarchy? I mean, you know, come on. Oh, we, maybe we'll have a referendum on it afterwards. You know, I, you know, I, I think people just want to, I, I think most people 
probably want like you. I mean, a socialist republic. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think there's. There's honestly no need for a monarchy. Uh, uh, you know, as far as I can see. Yes, I fully concede that when Scotland is independent, that the uh, uh, unionists will have a right to reply. They will have their right to argue for the union, uh, argue for the monarchy, uh, and all the rest of it. Uh, but you know, these are two things that are outdated and. You, you know, should be left basically in the in the history books. Even you, you, you look at the recent goings on within the royal family, uh, and it's certainly they they are not adapted to the modern twenty first century. Oh, and oh my God! I mean, that, it, that, you, I don't know, you know if you if you follow the stuff with Jeffrey Epstein and Prince Andrew and stuff like that. I oh, mean, uh, uh, it uh, is uh, just a disgusting. You know, it's uh, always been an exploitative, disgusting institution all the way through the aristocrats and the, into the imperial age, and it's just. But it, but it's always glorified, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like why they're a bunch of rapacious. Parasites. That's all. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you know, the, the only one I ever had time for was obviously Princess Diana. You know, and at the end of the day, you, you, you know, I've got my own. I've got my own conclusions about that. Although they didn't exactly hold the the uh, dagger, shall we say? But they certainly put the uh, wheels in motion in order to sort of like make sure that the car hit the central. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. So. Uh, but they they done that because they seen uh, her as a, as a threat. The only threat that she was was to modernise the family and you, you know and to make it more accountable and more accessible. And stuff we like can't that. have that. And, uh, <laughs> you, you, you know that was just sort of like right. You know, shepherd's cook. That's you. People who have got that ingrained in their mind. Uh, you, you know, of uh, uh, pomp and ceremony and pageantry and all that kind of caper. You, you, you know, these uh, useless feckers like Nigel Farage and Jacob Rees-Mogg, these are people that will never give up on the empire. And that's fine. You know, they can have their land of hope and glory and the wish of the British people. You know what I mean? And and, and I, I, I specifically say the British people because I am not British. <laughs> and there's 350 fellow activists who count themselves Scottish. Just to, just, to, just, to, just to build on that, I was, I was reading, I, I listened to quite a few Fintan O'Toole lectures who I absolutely adore. And he was saying that since the Scottish referendum, the number of English people that, they, that consider themselves um, British as well has just plummeted. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, since then, I mean, you know, well, what's all this attention on the Scottish? Well, we're English. And, and from what I understand, people who are English, they're English. They're not British, you know, and and so well, the, they've always been kind. Of, the British and English have always been kind of conflated, mm-hmm. you know, to include not only the English but the Scots and the Irish, etc., uh, and especially the Unionists in Northern Ireland, etc. But 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 without saying specifically English, so it's always been this artificial construct uh, of being British to encompass, you know, the, the people who are in the UK and you know are enthusiastic, you know, or had been enthusiastic about it. But I, I really think those bonds are just, you know, disappearing as we speak, especially as the older generation. In my perceptions, I don't see why people who, you know, in Ireland who, who 20 or 30 have any reason to, you know, feel like, oh, I'm British or whatever, you know, whatever. And so I, I just think Brexit is just like put, throwing all this stuff into chaos. But as I said, I think I, I don't know if I got the statistic, but it was only like 20 percent of English people consider themselves British. At all, I think. I, again, I, I'd have to go back to, to that. Yeah, but I mean, it's really plummeted, and so English, English have a much stronger national identity too. But they don't know where to go. Where to go with it? Does it represent the you know the, the you know the what I would always consider very deep, very decent English people that I met over the years? Just very polite, very socially conscious, very just lovely people, you know. And then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I spent fifteen years of my working life uh, between England and Wales. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uh, first son was born in Wales. My mm-hmm. second son was born in England, uh, just off the M25, actually. Yeah. Uh, my ex-wife, English, and that's not the reason uh, as to why she's ex. Uh, so, you, you, you know, so I've, I've uh, still got English brothers and sisters-in-laws down there that have said, you know, you divorce the parents and you don't divorce the family. That's absolutely fine. That's uh, uh, great. Uh, but... Uh, 
you know, it's a, it's a different demographic that's growing up in Ireland at the moment because yeah. Ireland's been 20 years free of the struggles. The uh, millennials who are coming through into activism now don't know about, yes, yes, they know about the troubles in the past and stuff like that, but they weren't there, so it's yeah. not there. It's just their uh, father or grandfather raving about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're moving on and, and everything is like, you know, a rolling stone. The more that the stone rolls, the moss flitters off and falls to the side. And so it doesn't have any of the, the uh, baggage from the past. And uh, what the likes of the British monarchy, the British establishment and all the rest of it, they're holding on to this sense of imperialism. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you agree with that. Because they have basically, they have pinned themselves on an island surrounded by water and uh, basically said that, you know, we can stand on our own. Uh, but when they say that, they, that, that uh, we can stand on our own, they are saying that knowing the fact that they have to be serviced by the other three constitutional nations within yeah. that conscript, which is the United Kingdom, uh, because the United Kingdom is not a country in itself. Uh, you, it's, you know, it's an anomaly. It's, it's yeah, 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 yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to begin to wrap this up. So, well, uh, well, well, can I just point one thing out to you, Mark? It's just very, very curious what you were saying there, uh, uh, Britain and America thing, because I noticed that the Simpsons actually lampooned this week in a, uh, one of their episodes uh, of a shortbread tin, uh, and it was done up in a Union Jack. It was, you, you know, bastardised in uh, the whole butcher's apron. And uh, they wonderfully, comedically took the piss out of that. Uh, I, I, would, I would honestly advise anybody that's watching this, go to thesimpsons.com, have a wee look at that. Uh, you'll uh, find it on YouTube. If you do search uh, search uh, Simpsons Simpsons Brexit or Simpsons Simpsons, uh, Simpsons shortbread even okay okay uh, and have uh, you been uh, really good the writers in the Simpsons have actually done this before they have actually sort of like you you know looked into the future and actually depicted ones to actually paint Donald Trump orange well before he was orange and, uh, and, so. and they and, and Lisa predicted his presidency yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anything else you'd like to add before? Again, I, I would really and well, apart from both now the I'm going the <laughs> but I would I would like to. I mean, it's even especially if you're able to to get into it, would be again beginning to work through the different elements of this constitutional framework that I've been, you know, and how we can really build. A, um, a what you want, which is what I want, you know, a socialist, uh, mm-hmm. socialist Scotland that just cares for its people at a basic level and uh, doesn't get, get to be completely overtaken by these oligarchical forces that have, that, as in the UK, as in the UK. And so I'm, I'm a little concerned when I see, you know, at least the perception that Sturgeon and Mural are becoming very close to these plutocrats and if, mm-hmm. however, and however they construct the state will have too much influence from them, you know, and 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 Scotland, an independent Scotland, will be built in their interests rather than what we want. And and, and so I don't know if these I don't know if these fears are founded or not. But it be- well, you, you're you're more within your right to hold those fears, right? Uh, just before we do sign off, I, I do want to make this point. It would be naive of anyone to think that uh, 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 socialism and capitalism cannot operate on on the same scale, right? Mm-hmm. But that scale in itself, there has to be an equilibrium. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Uh, you, you know, so uh, if you uh, if you view the uh, political makeup of Britain at this moment in time, given the uh, the uh, corporate mantra that the British government dabble in, touching back to what we were talking about, uh, you, you know, the, the heavy involvement of consumerism as well. Yeah. There has yeah. to be an equal yin-yang. Sure. Uh, you, you know, so there has to be a bit of capitalism and a bit of socialism. Finding that fine balance, the last thing that you want to be doing is to be setting yourself up for a fall by accusing someone of something that you have no evidence of. Right. 
then you get into the realms of you will you, you will get treated like Jeremy Corbyn. You know, I mean, basically, thankfully, we haven't discussed uh, dear old Jezza's fall from grace. Uh, but I'm not talking about that we have to walk upon eggshells and stuff like that when we're discussing things of a serious nature, such as people in uh, elected high office dabbling in corporate... Association, let's call it that. Associations, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. You have to have hardcore evidence before you even begin to want to go uh, down that avenue. Again, I would go back to what I what I initially said at the start, you, you know, with a uh, great reverence, Mark, is the fact that no country won its won its independence through division, and uh, unity and solidarity has got to be key. We hark back to what uh, 2014 was not a gold standard referendum by any manner of the means. No. It was gold standard on our part. But it wasn't gold standard on the part of the establishment no. uh, because the establishment used lies of obfuscation. They used um, uh, uh, media bias, downright dirty-handed tactics in order yep. to get what they wanted. Yep. Because Tony Blair actually thought that by giving Scotland a referendum, he thought that the that the empire was going to win it wonderfully, and we. You mean Cameron? You mean sorry, Cameron? Uh, Cameron, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, he thought that he was going to win. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, the arse fell out of his trousers when he found out that we were sitting on 30% before even a ball was kicked. Yeah. And then we got up to the 45. And the only reason that we got up to the 45 was through hard work, unity and solidarity. The reason that we didn't get six percentage points on top of that is because of lies and bias from the media. Really? Uh, and that is, that is no doubt. Now that those lies have been allayed, yeah. People can see those lies exactly for what they are when, and, and I fully believe that it's going to be September, when that question is put to the people of Scotland again, I, I will be amazed if it's not at a 70% mark. I, I, I think there could easily the be of, such a difference. It's, it's, so, it's so different circumstances. Well, exactly, because, because the amount of people now that, that, that were sitting in the rivalry towers back in 2014, come Brexit Day, the shit's going to hit the fan. And they're really going to find out what it means to be searching in their purse, you know, for £5 in order to buy chocolate for the Wains. Reality is going to kick in. And the only alternative is independence. I agree with you. And uh, on that note, I will let you go. But uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Chris, for being with us this evening. No, and, uh, absolutely brilliant, Mark. Thank you. And then I thought I'd